You haven't even paid me from last time. I haven't watched Halo either. I'm going to summarize Halo Season 2 based on the Watching Now Halo podcast from Couch Soup. This is going to be fun. So Chief could be crazy. <laughs> Cortana's had a facelift. We're a bit mixed. Quan and Soren's story is really boring. Is, is it over yet? Reach is f***ed. Reach for the stars. You all are gonna die. Spartans have a new leader called Ackerson. More like Dickerson. Apparently McKee is alive. She didn't die on screen, so she's probably not dead. Key's definitely not dying. Right, right, right. And the flood is coming. Is the water on this planet? What do I know? You should be listening to the Watching Now Halo podcast everywhere. Podcasts are available. Where's my money, Drew? Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us again um, on our new episode of Ely by the Glass. Um, my name is Layla Joy Williams, and I'm the founder and CEO of Elia. And today we are here with my friend, my childhood friend, I guess we get the childhood friend, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Natalia Rengo. And Natalia, um, she owns um, a bespoke um, company by the name of Renolium, and it's a studio design firm. And um, so I've invited her here today because for a multitude of things, but first, Welcome, Natalia. You know me. I'll just start. I'll Thank just dive in. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me and for inviting me. It's it's oh, definitely cool. an honor <laughs> to, oh my to be here. It's such an honor to have you. I mean, you know, we've been talking about this episode for a couple of months. Yeah. It was a long yeah. time coming. So Yes. Yes. Um, you know, and to be honest with you, I'm having, it is 4.30 here in Spain. So I'm having a glass. Natalia is with baby right now. I'm with baby, so <laughs> I will have to pass, but I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> to celebrate here, here. <laughs> I'm so proud of her. I'm so happy um, for her and her husband um, for this new venture. It's incredible. Um, and so uh, we're going to talk about a multitude of things. But I wanted to first say that um, I'm so happy right now because we have fresh production in the United States. Yay. This has been a tough year, Natalie, and you know we got it here. Uh, please check us out at ilia.com and um, please use code, code Ilia 20, a dollar from each purchase is donated to the Deliver Fund, which is an organization that helps to circumvent um, human trafficking. So with that, welcome, Natalie. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Um, so currently, just because we are uh, talking that I'm with baby, um, yeah. I'm about, about six months, but I'm feeling so far so good. And uh, super excited about this new, this you know, this new experience in my life that I'm going to be embracing in the next couple months. Uh, it's been a little crazy because you know we're planning, we're nesting, we're we're organizing the house, we're changing things around. So it's been very busy on on the home front and also on the business front because lots of transitions this year and. Uh, um, some amazing experiences also. And, uh, it's, it's definitely been a year of transition. I can say that for sure. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I think that's such yeah. a blessing because who wants to stay the same? You want to progress yes. and transform and evolve and manifest. And I think that's incredible. I'm so, I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you. I mean, to be honest with you, you like me, we had babies in our forties. So, yeah. um, but to be perfectly honest with you, I don't know about you, but 
thank God I waited because I <laughs> have to be with the right person. And in addition to that, my life is conducive for a child. And the, there are a couple of truisms that we've talked about. Right. One of which your life is not the same once a baby comes to those planets. So right. um, it's, you know, it's fantastic. How do you feel um, about that? I'm, I'm, I'm in, so it's interesting because I'm in right now the, that place where I'm soaking up the last, the last of the me time and, and the last moments of just being uh, my husband and I, uh, because we've we've actually had uh, about ten years together, just us yeah. two. Wow. So um, so we're we're just very we're both very excited, and, and we're we're sort of embracing this moment. And we're super happy, but yeah. we're at the same time we're soaking up you know the last few moments of it just being us two and our dog. So, um, we've been enjoying those, those times and, and even uh, he's, he's actually super great because he's like, you know, things will change, but as long as we keep perspective, we will handle it. Whatever, whatever life comes our way, you know, we'll, we'll take care of, we'll, we'll get through it. So it's good to also have, like you said, you know, the right person to have a child with. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I mean, today when I'm like, thank you, God, that I didn't have with him or him. <laughs> thank you, God. Right, right. <laughs> and, and it's interesting, too, because like you said, I mean, I've actually, well, we've, we've actually been yearning to have a, a family for a few yeah. years now for, uh, I would say, maybe like five or six years. And um, but even though the, the stars align and, and God has, has said, okay, it's, this is your time. I'm actually very grateful because I've been able to produce and to, and to infuse a lot, a lot of my energy into growing my career and, and like my, my talents. And now I feel like I'm super ready to bring in another life and, and, and start teaching this little, this little human being, all of my experiences. Like I come in. So, I mean, obviously we we're always learning in life, but I come in with such wisdom and, and so many experiences already that I feel like it's, it's interesting because I don't feel like super scared because I'm like, I feel capable and I feel ready. I feel like, wow, this is actually like a perfect time. It's perfect timing. You know, God always has perfect timing. <laughs> so, right? yeah, it's totally uh, the universe, true. the universe, uh, and and sometimes it just it's just supposed to happen this way. So I feel that for 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 those of us that are are like struggling and maybe are like um, really scared that we're not going to have a child or you know whatever that you know. Luckily, we do have the evolution of technology and science. <laughs> Yeah. And um, life will find a way. Life will find a way. If you hold, I do believe that the reason right. why I was able to also be pregnant is because I always believed in my heart that I would, I would be yeah. a mom. Yeah. I, I knew I, 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 there were moments where I was scared because, you know, society tells us the biological clock is ticking and, you know, physically we are, you know, we do age, but, um, but the spirit, you know, like there's always that, that the thing that people don't really talk about is, is that strength that we, we have from within, from our spirit and from our desire. 
and feeling calm and peaceful and trustworthy that it will happen. Um, I think it played a big role in my believing that no matter what, you know, we even talked about adoption too. You know, we talked yeah. about other options. If, if, if the way that we went, um, you know, I, I did have fertility treatments. I went through IVF, but we, we, we were very, too. yeah, mm-hmm. we were very open to the possibilities of always being parents. And I think that I think led itself to having this possibility. I think that's incredible. I mean, and you've had such an um, interesting path to um, parenthood. Um, but I also believe like it was one of the things that I love about getting older is that I'm doing whatever I, I'm doing what I feel is right. You know, yeah. as opposed to listening to the outside voices around, you know, right. like cause you're sure of who you are now, you right. know, what's right for you. You know yourself better. You know, what's going to work for you. You know, what's not going to work for you, you know? And right. that is the amazing thing. But to society is like, thank thank goodness for technology, you know, because yeah. we have a yeah. multitude of options. And one of the things that was, it was so weird. I remember always telling my mom told me the other day, it reminded me the other day, I just didn't want to have kids. I didn't want to, because I felt like it was so much work and you know, all this stuff. And I wanted to travel the world and do all this stuff. And I re- distinctly remember being 28 years old in China at a hotel on a business trip. And before that, like the day before I could have seen a baby on the floor and like <laughs> stepped right over the baby, not notice the baby. And I was standing in the hotel lobby. It was a Sheraton in, in Guangzhou or something like that. And I hear this baby cry and I literally turn around and I'm like, where's that baby? It was the weirdest feeling. <laughs> it was like the, yeah, yeah. You finally aligning to. Yes. And it was like, oh, damn. Oh, no. <laughs> From then it was like a countdown to my baby, you know? Wow. But there are many times that I didn't think it was going to happen. I remember having a call with my doctor whom I love. We're, we're good friends. I called her and I was like thinking about just a couple of years before I had Olivia, what my alternatives were. And I was just so like sad because I had just broken up with somebody and I was like, Oh, I don't know if it's going to happen. And God has the most amazing timing. And I'm so grateful that it it happened during the pandemic, which is, I needed to be, the world needed to stop so I could sit still, you know? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Same thing happened with me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for that. But, you know, I wanted to talk, um, I wanted to really kind of also delve into some of the challenges, like the fertility challenges that you've had, because uh, the more friends of mine or women that I speak to, the more I hear most women that I know have gone through things. I mean, even my mom, I don't know. Do you ever see that, the movie, um, it was, oh my gosh, what Jeremy Irons. It was um, the, the movie about the two doctors, the twin doctors. I, and yes, I vaguely remember that movie. Yes. So that movie, those doctors, my parents saw those doctors before they had me. So yeah. anyway, I would love to hear a bit more about like what you went through because I feel like women need to share things because we don't. Of course. And, and I think this is a great topic um, to bring to light because we as a community need to support each other. And I know that um, it's very difficult when you're, when you feel alone, sometimes mm-hmm. you feel, even though like you hear the stories, but I think one of the things, yes, exactly. Or like you feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not capable or I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm getting older. My eggs are, you know, I've heard many times, oh, your eggs are old or you're going to have an old baby. I remember even like in my like thirties, 
we would talk, I would talk with friends and then like, and even us as women, we were like all those women that have old babies. Or I call them grandma mommies. And meanwhile, yeah, grandma mommies. And, and, and fast forward, here I am, a grandma mommy. You know? um, and it was funny because I was like, wow, I can't believe I I, I I even thought about that because it's a it's beautiful. It doesn't matter what age that this happens. It's um, and like I said, you know, one of the things that also uh, helped me through the 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 whole entire process was the stories of hope. You know, those those stories of women that were resilient and that kept trying and didn't give up. So um, I think. For me, it started in my my mid thirties. Um, well, actually, I I did have a, and I don't think I I don't think I told you about this, Layla. But in my mid twenties, um, I had this uh, horrible pain in my stomach, and it was a pain that wouldn't go away. No. Uh, I went to the doctor. The doctor passed it off as maybe constipation or gas, and um, you know, and and I'm not. Not to say, but, you know, he was a male doctor, so maybe mm -hmm. there was things that he wasn't in tune with. Mm -hmm. So um, I spent like another month having this pain on and off, on and off. And then finally it, it got to the point where it was really bad, but I just accepted it like, OK, I guess it's just constipation yes, or constipation, gas. Yeah. So um, in during one of my routine, like, you know, a month, I guess a month passed and then the pain was kind of like I was managing it. And, um, so basically a month passed and then I go to my routine checkup with my gynecologist and she, she discovers that I had a huge, like, a I don't know, it was a huge dermoid tumor. Um, oh, or it's like, it, it could be a cyst, but well, no, it's actually in your ovary. Oh, and, um, it's very fascinating. I actually was like, I couldn't believe it, but it starts off as a cyst, but it can grow and, and grow cartilage, hair, teeth, fat, like, like actual mat, like a uh, mass in your ovary. So it's an egg that has basically, I mean, embryo, it's right. Well, no, no, it was not. An, it was still in my ovary. Uh -huh. And I'm telling you, it's very fascinating. And, and we would want to do a little more research on it in terms of, you know, making sure that I'm saying the correct thing. But from what I remember, um, it's an egg that basically starts growing uh, human, you know, like the, the, these materials, like the uh, these elements like hair, fat, teeth. But it's not fertilized and it hasn't re been released. So it stays in your ovary. And if it grows too big, it starts contorting your ovary. So, um, and it's a mass, so it, it can, it can start off as a small cyst, but mine, because of the pain that I was having, it was, I guess it was growing and it was contorting my ovary. So I had to have him, she, she basically was like, I don't want to wait. You need to have this taken out right away. You know, you need surgery right away. This is not something that can resolve itself on its own. It's not like a, a liquid cyst or a water cyst. Uh, so I was freaking out because I was like, what does right away mean? Like we're going to the hospital now. Basically, basically she, uh, I would say within, within a week I had surgery. So it wasn't like life and death, but she was concerned that I shouldn't wait too long 
to get this resolved surgically. Um, and you know, it was her sort of desire to like, you know, cause she was just doing a routine checkup and she noticed that one of my ovaries was bigger than the other one. So she's like, let's do a scan. And she had me go into, uh, to get a scan right away. Like maybe like within the day. And then two days later she called me and she's like, okay, well, these are your options. You know, she's like, you could get a second opinion, but I'll, I'll tell you that right now that like, it's going to be, you know, surgery. So I opted for the surgery. Uh, so was a, surgery or it was laparoscopic. Okay. Luckily, um, it, it did. It, it was a little bit complicated because it was a big, you know, I, I forgot how big it was. But recently I actually found a photo of it because the doctor gave it to me. And I was like, oh, my God, this was did in my hair. hair? Yes, it had hair. Stop. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it like, had hair. And sometimes I can develop up. teeth. Yeah. You are freaking out. This is the week of like these stories. I I couldn't even handle that. I know. It was, it was kind of crazy. It was kind of crazy. And I thought that was the end of it too, you know, because she put me on birth control. I was, I was, I think on birth control, but not like on and off. But she says, you know, the birth control will help with normalizing your ovaries and, and keeping any cysts at bay. Which I also was like, I think, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little iffy on birth control, but I, I took it, you know, because for medical reasons, um, um, and later down my, my, my health path, I, I, you know, became more naturopathic, but sometimes you have to balance, you have to, you have to come into a balance of Western medication and alternative healthcare and kind of create your own sort of you know, your own sort of protocol because you, you're the only one that knows your body and knows yeah. how you feel. And so anyways, like New York where you've got your, your senses are on overdrive. Yeah. We are used to it in New York, but you don't realize until you step out of it, how right. intense you like your visually, um, from like the sound perspective, just right. everything is like super heightened as a woman being safe as a human right. being safe in exactly. certain places. That is not normal situation for your yeah. body to be in. So I think we all kind of went through things as we hit our early 30s because yeah. I think your body's in overdrive all the time. And and I, I was also like growing my business at the time too. So I'm super stressed and I'm super like, you know, I made, I, I, I made also some decisions to leave my corporate job and, you know, so I'm like money, in the middle of, of freelancing. Food. Exactly. And like taking out of my savings and sort sort of, you know, it's funny because we're just like, sometimes we're, 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 we're focused on a lot of, I would say masculine energy things as well, yeah. you know, and it's, you know, everyone has feminine and masculine energy, but you know, those of us that are, are in sort of that drive, mm -hmm. we forget about everything else of our, of our bodies. So it's yeah. kind of like, we're just focused on like one thing. So sometimes we have to pause and be like, okay, what's going And maybe that's why the, the body comes up with these right. things to tell you, hey, hey you got to relax. No, 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 no. <laughs> and so I thought, I actually thought that was the end of it, but fast forward to my, I would say 35, 36, um, when we were, you know, we were starting to, to try to have a child. I was, I went off the birth control. And how many years were you into the relationship with Lenny? Were, so actually I was probably into uh, like three, three years in, 
three okay. years into their relationship with Lenny. Um, and he, so, so we started, you know, I got off the birth control and I started also reading up on a lot of dietary, uh, and nutrition protocols to keep your body healthy because I, I just knew, I didn't know, obviously we don't know when we're going to get pregnant, but yeah. I said, okay, you know, I got to stop eating too much out, you know, start cooking in more, start eating wholesome foods. And I actually started seeing, um, an alternative nutrition, uh, uh, doctor who I, I, I mean, I'm still seeing her to this day and I attribute a lot of my, my health and wellness, like feeling so good, even throughout the pregnancy, uh, because her guidance in terms of nutrition and supplements, natural supplements combined with the care of my doctors, I think has helped me, you know, remain like be a good vessel for, for pregnancy. But when I got off the birth control, the pain started again. And I discovered that I had it, or, you know, I was diagnosed with endometriosis. <laughs> so I, I ended up uh, trying to keep the endometriosis at, at bay, but it got worse. The pain. So can you explain what endometriosis endometriosis is for people who don't know what that is? So what it is. endometriosis is actually, um, it's, it's more, uh, it's talked about more now, but when I was diagnosed with it, it was kind of like the silent woman's disease, you know, or mm-hmm. condition. And what it is, it's an autoimmune disease that basically takes cells of the endometrium, you know, the, mm-hmm. the endometrial lining, and it starts growing in other places that is not the endometrium, that the, the uterus. So um, sometimes you can get scarring or you can get a lot of scar tissue from the growth of this tissue. Um, and, and even it overgrows in the uterus, so it may cause infertility. In my case, it was, it was found in my liver, which was interesting. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was some cells in my liver and, um, most, I've never even heard of that. Yeah, what? Yeah. It, Cause it can grow outside of the body. It's like an autoimmune no. disease. Okay, the so the yeah. cells basically reproduce outside of where they're supposed to, you know, be growing or they overproduce in the uterus. And in my case, it was in mostly in my ovaries, both my ovaries. So I, so I had what they call endometriomas, which are cysts, but they're blood filled and they also don't resolve on their own because um, and I, I, I did a bunch of research on this when, when I was going through it, but women have cysts all the time in their ovaries, but they mm-hmm. resolve themselves th- through your cycle and they're called fluid fill cysts. And there's all different kinds of names of cysts, but for the most part, like X percentage of time, they resolve themselves after your cycle and then you're back mm-hmm. to normal. That's why sometimes you get the cramps, but in the case of endometriosis, <laughs> Wherever you have the endometriosis during your period, it like the pain, the period pain is so severe. Like there was one point that my husband actually, I I felt, I mean, I've never gone, I had never gone through labor or contraction pains, but I felt this pain so strong that I actually collapsed like in his arms because most of the time he wouldn't see this happening because I was in, you know, I, I was I was not with him, but this one time I was, and, and I just remember it so vividly, like 
I was breathing and I was trying to get through the pain and it usually would last uh, like 20, 30 minutes. So that's like a long time. time. And, and I remember that time it was just so severe. And so finally um, uh, I, I was nervous about getting surgery again in my ovaries. And this time I'm in my mid thirties. So I did extensive research and I found um, I interviewed like four doctors like this time I was like, OK, I, I can't just I have to pray to God that everything is fine because my doctor, um, she basically I was not connected with her like she, she kind of, you know, how sometimes you don't have a connection with a doctor. So I just mm-hmm. didn't trust what she was telling me. Yeah. And she wanted to put me on on like menopausal medication. And I was just freaking out because I was like, I don't know if I want to go through this, this part, you know, and, and in, in, I would say it it was possible partly my fault because I waited uh, to see if they would resolve themselves, but they didn't, they just ended up getting bigger. So then I decided to make sure um, that I would, I would be in the hands of someone that knew my condition. So I interviewed, I think, three or four doctors, and I ended up with Dr. Sechkin, which he actually is the founder of the Endometriosis Foundation oh, in, wow. New York, in New York. Where is he um, located? He's on, the, on Fifth Avenue. No, Fifth, okay. Fifth okay. Ave, like by, by, by Central Park. Okay. Um, and I think he has since opened up another, another um, office. Um, and I don't know if I actually don't know if he's still doing surgeries, but I don't know the way that he spoke about about the ovary and how surgery is an art and how mm-hmm. he just I mean, he also has super, you know, experience and years of surgery. Yeah. So um, and I also had to figure out whether I wanted to do robotic surgery or laparoscopic surgery. Yeah. So he explained both. He was very thorough very open. He met my husband. He was just very, I don't know, just a warm, fuzzy guy all around. And, and, and just the way he spoke about the disease and how well he knew the disease. He wrote a book about it. Um, I just felt, um, that I could trust in him. And, and he told me, he's like, we're going to repair your ovaries. They're going to be like brand new. (laughs) And the funny thing is sure enough, um, you know, and during all this time, we're trying to have a child naturally. And you and, said continue to try to yeah, have a baby? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and obviously, obviously, like, up until 2016, which was before my surgery, nothing was happening. But then a year later, I got pregnant naturally wow. um, after the surgery. But it ended up in a, it's called a chemical pregnancy, which is, yes, I've had one it's like an early, early, yeah. early detected pregnancy that never really took so, but it another, gave me hope. Another thing, because these are the things that you learn about as a woman, once you decide you're having a baby, nobody yeah. ever talked to me about any of this stuff no. before. It's just the strangest thing. And I remember speaking to my doctor who, as you're saying this, I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, I'm so blessed because Dr. Wells, I love her. She's like, <laughs> my boo. Yeah. She's somebody that I really do trust. <clears throat> And I, so much so that when I had my baby here, she called the doctor the day of surgery and called him before and made sure everything, Aww, you know, my baby, see, my baby, awesome. my boo. Um, she, it's so, uh, it's such a blessing to have a physician that's tuned in, you yeah. know, and, um, I would always ask my doctor, well, nobody talks to you about any of this stuff. 
until you're in it. And it's like, she's like, I know it's just, it's crazy. Like it's, it's yeah. So continue. I'm sorry. So, yeah. So hopefully I'm, it's not such a long story, but no, finally, you know, that was in 2017, um, where, you know, we had, we had a short t- period of time of joy, but then, you know, it ended up in like, you know, it, it didn't take, um, and, and how was that for you? Were you okay you know, it, or were you devastated? It was, it was, I think I was, de- I was definitely heartbroken um, because I had gone through so much already. You know, I had two surgeries. Uh, I, it took me about six, six weeks to, to recover out of bed, you know, from, from the second surgery. The first mm-hmm. surgery was a little bit easier, but the second one, and then maybe it's because you're older or because it was both ovaries at the time. Um, and it was also laparoscopic. Thank God. Um, it, you know, and, and I was, I think what it was is that I was just so excited to feel, to not feel pain every month. And I was yeah. feeling so great and I was so happy and I was like, Oh my God, it's going to happen. And, and then it happens. And then for a brief moment, you're so elated. And then the next day it's like, you're not. You're not pregnant. But how did you know that the baby, the, the chemical pregnancy had passed? Did you go so, into cramps? So, like- so the interesting thing was I, um, I intuitively knew I was pregnant, but I didn't want to test. Like some people actually run, run really fast to go test. But I was like, no, let me wait to miss my period. Like I actually knew, I, like intuitively, I knew I was pregnant right be- even before my period started. Yeah. So, and I started feeling things just little, like I was more in tune with my body after all of this stuff anyways. And that's why, like, I was like, okay, but I wanted to wait. So, so two days after, like, I I actually waited, I think two or three days after I missed my, you know, when I knew when I was getting my period. Cause the funny thing is after the surgery, my period became very normal. So I knew exactly when I was going to get it before I never knew anything, you know, I just, that's another thing about women, you know, sometimes yeah. they're like, I don't know, I don't track yeah, anything, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just happens. But yeah. then obviously when you become more in tune with your body and you're starting to track everything. So I knew exactly when I was going to get it. And so four days pass, I didn't get my period. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take, and I had, I had, there was all these signs. Like I would pass like this store and it said baby world or, or you know, like I, I was in a baby aisle and then there was like this weird, you know, this announcement, Hey, help is needed in the baby aisle. And there was nobody there but me. And I didn't ask for the help. So I was like, Oh my God, it's true. It's true. And it actually was true. So I go get a pregnancy test. I get, I test and it was positive and, and it was so exciting. I told Lenny and we were really excited. So the next day that I went, I wanted to go to the doctor, my doctor at the time, I started bleeding, like oh spotting. But I went to the doctor and the doctor still confirmed the pregnancy. And, but she's, she's like, you are pregnant, but, but she goes, when you're, she said you're spotting new, is normal. New. Yeah. So she's like, don't worry about it. And it was a, I believe it was a Friday. I remember it was a Friday. She's like, go home, come back on Monday. We'll test it. We'll, we'll give you another what time blood test. Was, it? was this like Christmas time? This holiday? was no- November. I End felt November. it. I felt it. Yeah. End of November. Wow. We, so it was interesting because, oh no, actually. So I, I must've conceived in November, but it was like the first week of December, December. that That's I started I feeling 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was a, for it, I, and I remember because we were, I, I went to my friend's house because it was her son's birthday um, that weekend, the, the first week of December. And I went to go do some creative stuff for their yep. birthday. I did like these clouds and it was like this, this whole like little scene. And I already knew like inside, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this for my kid. You know, like it was all this, you know, days of like just feeling so great about it. And then, um, and thinking about how we were going to tell our family, you know, how we were going to reveal it. If, if we would reveal it in, on Christmas time as like a little present or something. So, you know, you, you're full of all this wonderful emotion. And then, you know, when I started bleeding, I kind of, I didn't freak out, but I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to go to the doctor. They did blood work. I, you know, they detected the, the pregnancy hormone, uh, but she said, come back Monday. And so the interesting part about that too, like, you know, cause I, I've dealt with many doctors and so I got the blood work on Monday. Um, at this point, you know, I, I did bleed through the weekend and, um, but I still didn't think anything of it. I still held on to hope and, you know, I just was still feeling like happy. Um, and so the doctor never called me. So I waited two, three days. I stopped bleeding. Um, and I was like, you know, I was confused cause I was like, okay, I haven't heard from them. Right. So finally I call and I was like, oh, I just want to know, you know, what happens next. And, you know, like, and she's like, she, you know, the doctor goes on the phone and she's like, oh, you didn't see the results on the portal on the patient portal. And I'm like, no, how antiseptic is that? I mean, I was like, so, and so she basically, I'm sorry to tell you, but it was, it's what we call a pregnant chemical pregnancy. You're, you know, the, the hormone wasn't detected at all in the second test. (laughs) You know, you would think something like that. A doctor would call you right away and say, Hey, you know, I, and and I spent three days still thinking I'm pregnant pregnant. and and just wondering, okay, what's the next step? What are we going to do next? But anyway, I mean, so those, that was, that was devastating. And then, you know, and then that's when we started, um, uh, the, the, you know, we start, we decided to proceed with like the fertility treatments. We did a bunch of, uh, what they call IUIs, which is, um, when they basically just insert sperm into you mm-hmm. and, you know, basically time it during your cycle when you were, when you would release an egg. Uh, but that was unsuccessful and it was also very stressful for us as a couple. Um, and I I can tell you that, that, that sometimes fertility treatments do, do take an effect in your relationship sometimes. Uh, especially when, you know, when you have this desire and, and it's, and and we obviously are very traditional too. We wanted it to be natural, and yeah. so we're going to this like medical. Now, now, now. You need to go yeah. do this. Yeah, <laughs> and then and it's also like you're in a medical setting, yeah, so even go. the Hurry stress up. of it is like, yeah, ugh, yeah. you know, it's not. It's just it dampers a lot of <laughs> you know the romance out of the exactly situation. exactly. Um, and then we stopped because we were like, we got to take a break. Um, my insurance actually only you don't mind me asking, like, how much does that cost? Like, how was that expensive? Well, like, at that time, was that something that was popular? Because, so, like, 
So an IUI can probably run you these days, probably 25 to $5,000 every time you do it. But, but I, I'm telling you, I, I always luck out and, and I don't think it's luck. I think definitely just somehow everything aligned. Um, my insurance, we believe in God over here. Yes, (laughs) we do believe in God. And I I have a lot of faith in him, you know, guiding us. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, it just so happens when we were going to start and I was basically, I was, we we had savings. We were going to, you know, start investing in, into this, uh, in New York, they actually passed a law that insurance companies that, um, were founded, I guess, in New York had to, it was like a mandatory law that they had to offer you, uh, fertility treatments. And at that time, the IUIs were covered. Mm-hmm. So that's why we decided we wanted to, you know, continue doing, you know, natural and this just, you know, because it was covered, but even though it was covered and it was unlimited too, there was like an unlimited, Stop. yeah, there was like an unlimited, <laughs> you had unlimited rounds. Wow. Um, but there is a limit obviously with our, with a relationship, you know, as to how many times you can do it. So I've got to um, say like with all of the population, just a, pivot, a quick pivot, all of the population um, reduction that you see globally, I wonder if the government or the insurance companies understand the need to keep people fertile so that you have right. like a generation, which is why yes. they're investing in this because yeah. no patients, no money. But that's exactly. All. <laughs> no, no, it's very true. And I and I think but I also think it's it was there's a need there now because yeah. unfortunately um autoimmune diseases are more prevalent now, even in our youth, you know, the, the youth that is growing up now because of you know it's unknown, but there are there are some conclusions that it's environmental toxins or food toxins or we don't leave our phones anywhere. We're always everything magnetic, yeah, electromagnetic mm-hmm. frequencies that are new to us as and we are electric bodies. You know, our bodies are electric, so that puts us out of whack. Yeah. So there, I think the need was was there, and so they they implemented that, and then they and then sort of like I think it was a year later they were able to extend that to the IVF because I was IVF was not covered. So, um, so now, uh, you know, I think it was 2019 or, or, or actually it was, um, I think, right, yeah, it was right before COVID hit, oh. um, that we decided, uh, okay, this is the year, uh, let's start IVF. Like that's the, the, the final step. That's where, you know, you're, you have egg retrieval and then the sperm and the egg. I was in my early thirties, I would tell my little sister, I'm like, I'm never having IVF. If Me God too. have a baby, then I'm not having a baby. And girl, like a couple of years later, it's like, uh, <laughs> I, would, I would tell my, I would tell my friends cause I had older friends that were like, just freeze your eggs. If you don't know, freeze your eggs. And I'm like, I don't need to freeze my eggs. I'm okay. I'll be fine. And then you're like, shit, I should have frozen my eggs. Um, But it was like end of 2019, um, beginning of 2020 that we decided, okay, we're going to, we're going to try this IVF stuff. Um, And 
intense. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because then it's the shots, it's Girl. the medication. It's a definitely much more intense. And this yeah. time, so initially, and I I actually only went to one fertility clinic. And mm-hmm. um, my doctor, Dr. Luke, who is, I would say she's the most amazing doctor. Just like when you have that connection, I just never wanted to go anywhere else, you know. And she was always very positive and she's always thinking outside of the box. She, she takes every every case in individually. She knew I had endometriosis. She knew my history. Where's Dr. Luke? So she's also in the city on 57th and mm-hmm. Lexington. Okay. Um, and that was another thing, you know, like the monitoring, you know, having to go every day, like from Brooklyn, like almost an hour every day. It's, it's a commitment that you make. Right. <laughs> it's a whole commitment that you're making. Yes, the whole thing. I, I mean it's funny because I was like, I'm gonna when when my, you know my daughter comes out and she's old enough, I'm gonna tell her, Damn I girl. Really want- oh, yeah, I really wanted you for sure. You yeah. don't even know. But no, I do. we're so excited <laughs> to have you, but it took a lot. <laughs> you know? So um obviously I was I believe I had just turned forty um when 40 or 40, I was like 40 or 41. So I was already in like my forties. Um, and we did the first retrieval and she doesn't like, I remember her whole, her whole protocol is not to yield a quantity of eggs, but to yield a quality. That's true. So, so the first retrieval, there was only three and out of the three, there was one viable embryo. You haven't even paid me from last time. I haven't watched Halo either. I'm going to summarize Halo Season 2 based on the Watching Now Halo podcast from Couch Soup. This is going to be fun. So Chief could be crazy. (laughs) Cortana's had a facelift. We're a bit mixed. Quan and Soren's story is really boring. Is is it over yet? Reach is f***ed. Reach for the stars. You all are gonna die. Spartans have a new leader called Ackerson. More like Dickerson. Apparently McKee is alive? She didn't die on screen, so she's probably not dead. Key's definitely not dying. Right, right, right. And the flood is coming. Is the water on this planet? What do I know? You should be listening to the Watching Now Halo podcast everywhere. Podcasts are available. Where's my money, Drew? Um, so the interesting part about that, that I remember is, uh, I had to, before the transfer or like, you know, during this whole entire process, she said, okay, you got to get your pap smear. You got to get your mammogram, uh, got to get all those things in order. Um, so I ended up getting the pap smear, getting the mammogram and during the, the process of the retrieval and you know, the embryo growing to, to date, I think it was, I think it was a day five embryo and we were going to do a fresh transfer. I had, um, my mammogram came back a little inconclusive. So, uh, my doctor, uh, requested another mammogram. And then at the time of the transfer, I had done a biopsy, but my doctor was not concerned she said this happens all the time at women with have that have dense breasts, you know, to be a woman, you know, realize that as you get older, all of these things that you're like, Whoa. I know. Yeah. So, um, 
so we, the, 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 the transfer was happening during the time that the biopsy was at the lab. And, yeah. uh, so, so she ended up giving the go ahead. My, my, my gynecologist, she's like, I, I would say proceed with the, with the transfer. Cause I don't like, she didn't see anything that was alarming. So we did the transfer and during the two week wait, I get the call from my doctor and it was a virtual, I'll never forget it. It was a virtual appointment and I could already tell she was super nervous. And she asked me if we had done the transfer. So we said, yes, I, I said, yes. And I remember my husband was, uh, we always, I don't know, for like the last seven years, we've, we've worked in the same office together. Like we, we have, you know, so he was in his, on his desk, but he was hearing the, the conversation. And as soon as he saw like my, the expression on my face, when she said, well, I, I, she's like, I'm so sorry to, to give you this news, but we did find that you have stage zero cancer. But by the and way, I, I didn't even know that existed. I've never heard. I of didn't either. I didn't either. And but, but all I but all, but all, all I heard was cancer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Just whatever, even years. even whatever stage, it's like cancer, and then especially in your breast. So. I literally like just blanked and, and it's, and it totally does happen like in the movies where you hear something and then everything else gets muffled and you're just kind of like in this thought bubble, like what the hell is just happening? Like what the heck has just happened? And as soon as Lenny saw, you know, my demeanor change, he swooped in, like he basically came in and he started talking to the doctor because he's smiling saw- because Lenny's always in the background somewhere. He's always <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's, he's, I have to tell you, like, um, he is the greatest. He is, he's one of a kind and he's always so caring and just making sure everything is, he's like that, that kind of like hover, but it's like, he hovers to make sure everything, everyone, even his family, his mom and his dad, like it was hard for us to move because we're now living upstate, but it was hard to us for us to move from Brooklyn because he was always there helping them you know, fix things and stuff. So, but anyways, um, yeah. So then I, I, you know, we, we were still in the two week wait. And then two days later, we get a call from the fertility doctor that the, the transfer didn't take. So it was kind of like, like two, two blows, but there was a, there was a sense of relief as, as well that, you know, I wouldn't have to go because now I have to shift my mind from pregnancy Utility. to getting yeah. wealth yeah. to health. Uh, and I, I do attribute that pregnancy or that uh, not pregnancy, but that cycle uh, as a blessing, too, because it forced me to get the mammogram because I, I was not a mammogram person. You know, I was like, I don't need a mammogram. No, I was like, well, not that I wouldn't get it, but I was, you know, putting it off because, and ladies, whoever's listening, as soon as you're eligible to get a mammogram, get one, check your breast constantly. Even if there's the slightest, just the slightest feeling that you think, just always consult your doctor. And if a mammogram is available, do it because I have to tell you that, um, I, I, I thank God and I'm super grateful that it, that this was caught as early as it was caught. 
So basically, DCIS is short for uh, ductal carcinoma in situ, meaning that it's a milk duct Mm -hmm. that has a cancer cell, but it's still contained. It has Mm -hmm. not spread. But that's why they call it stage zero. So it's basically the beginning of breast cancer. They could have, they could pull it out, and it, and it, and they do a lumpectomy. That's what they do. So, twenty twenty, I, I think it's either twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one. I I can't. I, I I'm not like super familiar with the dates, but I know it was like like after. I think it was twenty twenty one because twenty twenty. At the end of 2020 is when we did the fertility. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember it's during COVID because the other thing that kind of sucked is that, you know, Lenny was never around. He was never able to even sit in the waiting room. They had to basically tell him to leave and come pick you up later or wait outside. You know, this is December, January, (laughs) you know, like when it's freezing cold outside. The the end, the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021. So 2021 yeah. was, we're transitioning still, still yeah. but, you know, but everyone is still like very, so 2021, okay, n- not fertility, we're doing, we did two lumpectomies because the first one was successful, but they, they, uh, when they remove the area where the, where the cancer cells are, they have these margins that they measure and they want to make sure that there is no room for error in these margins. So they test the tissue to make sure. And in my case, and he, and the surgeon, again, amazing doctors, it's uh, Sloan Kettering. Uh, they basically, they tested the, the, the biopsy, you know, the, the removal of the lumpectomy. And they saw that, the cells were still very, it was less than a 10% margin. So they wanted to go back in and remove more tissue just to make sure they got everything. Um, Dr. Cody, my surgeon, actually, he um, explained everything to me very thoroughly, drew everything out and told me that there was a possibility that we would have to do a second surgery. I never expected it, but when I went in, And he told me, okay, we're going to have to do this again. I was like, oh my gosh, because it's, it's tough to get anesthesia and to go to the hospital. And especially when your partner's not there with you, you know, he's only there with you for a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going through this and, um, luckily the second surgery was successful. And then, uh, it was, I had to wait for the surgery to heal. And that was like another month. And then in April of 2021 is when I started radiation. So luckily it was, since it was stage zero and it was contained and it wasn't in my lymph nodes, it was just in that, you know, that area, they recommended partial breast radiation and no chemotherapy. Um, yes. And I was actually opposed to the radiation too, because it's so close to your, like, you know, your, your left breast is so close to your heart and your lung. And I was researching and I was reading that there is this thing called scatter, which the radiation is usually a laser, but there is a point, whatever chance that it can scatter into other parts. So, so it will resolve one thing, but it can, it can also cause something else later in life. And you won't know until later in life. 
But um, after much thinking and meditating, uh, I ended up saying, okay, let's do it because, you know, it's cancer is a scary thing. And, you know, you want to make sure you eat, somehow eradicate whatever cells or potential cells are there. Um, and it was 20, 21 days of going to a radiation clinic uh, in South, I think it was Southampton. So it was Long Island. We ended up doing this, the, the Long Island versus the city because it's just easier. There's parking and it was actually a nice, you know, it was a nice getting out of the city, a nice drive. We would always stop at Starbucks after. So I, like I have like, I, I, I have this whole little thing that I want, this whole little video uh, movie because I d- documented a lot of my just thoughts and, and just the routine of two, you know, 21 days of going to radiation. And um, so to, to, in order to make it at least happy, we would stop at Starbucks after and always get like a little breakfast sandwich and a coffee. And that was, that became our thing. And, um, and I'll tell you, I was, I was feeling good, but during the radiation, like I mentally, like it, you know, there was one day where it really hit me and I just kind of broke down in the dressing room and I started crying. Cause I was like, man, how did I get here? Yeah. How much, you know, how did I get here? And, and, and how did I get from trying to get pregnant to, <laughs> you know, it's, it was just like this shift and, and I'm like, man, you know, it's just, it was tough. And then seeing other patients that were in probably a different place than, than I was, it made me also feel super grateful that, you know, I didn't have like this crazy, you know, that I still, there was still hope there. There was still the chance. So, um, I finished the radiation and, uh, my doctor cleared me to continue. He, he, he basically said, you can start fertility tr- treatments right away, but I decided to, to wait a, like the rest of the year to just get healthy, you know, sort of flush myself out and get myself mentally prepared again, because it's like going from one thing to the, to another can definitely mess up your mind. And, you know, in the outside world, they would say, you got to do it right away because time is ticking. But I think there, like I said, there is definitely a connection with your mind, your spirit and your body that you have to align to, to get into this place. And as, if you're still having your period and if you're still, you know, producing, I mean, there's even been women that have had, had babies in their 50s in the beginning of menopause, because there is something that happens to your body where sometimes, you know, it, it's like the last, sort of like the last hurrah of your body. So you may actually release multiple eggs at one time. And that's why a lot of women, older women have twins and triplets and things like that. How did you know that? Wow. And my dad actually told me that my grandmother, his mother had their last child in her fifties. Wow. So and I was like, like, oh my gosh, I was <laughs> super impressed. I was cause, and you know, but you know, back then there were baby machines. She had 13 yeah. children, Stop <laughs> it. you know, my dad comes from a family of 13, you know? So that's why I always, I always, I always uh, joked with him. And I said, I mean, she took all the fertility. She took all the fertility. Like she left me dry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so anyways, uh, we did, you know, that's what I ended up deciding. And it was a tough decision because part of me was like, no, you got to do it right away. But the other part was like, 
trust, have faith, get, you know, get your body back in, into shape, you know, like in, you know, because surgery takes a lot out of you and radiation, believe it or not. Um, luckily I didn't lose my hair or anything like that, but there was extensive bruising. Well, it's bruising and it doesn't happen right away because the radiation, basically you're, you're going every single day for 21 days with the break in between on the weekends. So the doctors told me that in a month you'll start seeing bruising and it just turned into like this, like it's almost like burn, burn and bruising all yeah. over. And it was incredible because, right. It doesn't yeah, like, yeah, it goes away, but it's funny how it, it's delayed. You don't, you know, and, and during the radiation, I did feel the heat. There was heat and the skin did change in color and stuff, but, um, it was an experience. And, and for me to think that there's people that sometimes have to have full body radiation or like, you know, big parts of their body to have radiation. It's just, I don't know. God wanted me to experience this and I experienced it. And, um, at the end, uh, I think it, it, it put a lot of things into perspective. Um, and then 2022 rolled around the beginning of 2022. And, uh, at this time I'm 40, 43 going on 44. Um, and we ended up, it was basically around the same time the following year, we ended up mm -hmm. doing another cycle. Um, this time I yielded six eggs and out of the six, there was two viable embryos. But this time I decided to freeze them. I did, a, you know, I, I decided to, to, to wait a little bit. Um, and because I also had read that sometimes when you go through IVF, um, you're, you know, you, because you're injected with so many hormones, it's good to give you, your body a break before you do the transfer. Man, that is intense. Yeah. IVF is really intense, guys. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> And little did I know that 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 2022, which was last year, was also going to be a transition, a transition year, because, you know, at that time, Lenny and I, uh, we weren't married. So we ended up eloping in Las Vegas in June. Um, and then from there, we made uh, a decision to move upstate and to, you know, to leave Brooklyn and, yeah. and so I had to also take that year to settle before I could transfer the embryos. So I, I did not transfer the embryos right away either because I was like, I'm not, I'm not ready. We're still doing stuff. And like I said, you know, sometimes you have to have a little bit of faith, a little bit of science. So I had my embryos frozen. It's hard when you're getting older, like when I you're know. younger, you have all this time. And, yeah. and people are probably like, you should have just done it right away. And I'm like, no, but I just, I didn't feel ready. You know, so I made this decision to delay, but a lot of people would say, you know, why delay? You know, you're only getting older. So 2023 comes around and, you know, we're, we're like Lenny and I, we're like the house is, is, is getting ready. And, and so he's like, let's just do it. Let's, I think if we're ready, let's just do it. And I, I felt ready too. And I was like, okay. So obviously there's that scary part where, you, you know, when, when they go through the thaw, you may lose them, you know, so there, there may not be, a you know, a cycle, you know, or a transfer. And yeah. Cause I, we did it like, like a couple days later. It wasn't like, okay. So you did a fresh transfer. Yeah. We did a fresh. Yeah. We did yeah. Do, yeah. 
Probably yeah. some babies on ice. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. You're probably, I'm going to convince you to do it again. <laughs> a lot. That was a lot. I know, it is a lot. lot. It is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. But, I um, kind of feel so and fancy free and I'm drinking again. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, but yeah, so 2023 um, is, is actually very beautiful because the week of my birthday, March was when we got the call <laughs> and I was so nervous. I was like, because I felt it. And, and I have to tell you too, um, right before I, I, you know, I did a lot of nutrition stuff. I also went to acupuncture, you know, I was really doing a lot of the fertility holistic stuff. And, um, and there was a moment in the acupuncture cause I did acupuncture up until the transfer that I just felt so at peace. And there was just like this piece of, you know, you did, you're, you're in the right place. Like I didn't feel like, Oh, I waited too long or I should have made this decision or I should have made that decision. I was just fully at peace. And I, I said to myself, whatever happens, happens, you know? And it was like this real, I, real sense of peace. It's hard to describe because it's, it's just like warm and like so calming. And the next day and this time, you know, Lenny was able to come because all of the protocols were lifted and everything like that. So we were holding hands during the transfer. And I was like, this is exactly how I imagined it. You know, this is exactly how I this is. And then I said this was meant to be. And we ended up transferring two embryos, um, one of which took and the other one you know, we were, we were kind of sad when we got the first ultrasound because Lenny's like, there was two, we transferred two. <laughs> and the technician's like, yeah, but there's only one, you know, one little sack. And I'm like, it's okay. You know, like we, we mourned the loss of our little embryo, but we were, we were really happy to be right here now, almost six months along. Um, and just feeling great about the whole thing. You know, so I'm sorry if it took too long, but that was my, no. that's my story. <laughs> but nobody, I mean, honestly, you don't know these things as a woman. And I mean, I just, I don't, I don't quite understand it. I really, it just puzzles me because we are all, if you actually have um, female friends, if you get past all of the other stuff and you start to understand what they're really dealing with, yeah. we're all dealing with some sort of something like that. And nobody talks about it. You really don't. No. And you go to social media, not that I really <clears throat> regard that it being more than what it is, but still you see women who are pregnant, everyone's dan- running through fields and, you know, they're doing <laughs> yoga and you assume that, well, I'm healthy. I'm in good condition. The doctor says everything's fine. I'm going to have the same experience. And one of the things I didn't want was to be bedridden. And I right. actually had to be like, I had to chill like for pretty much... <laughs> My eight months, I was begging the doctor to take the baby out of me. I was like, please. <laughs> he was like, relax. <laughs> I just have to like sit, you know? And yeah. um, I mean, it's just, it's incredible. I mean, your story is incredible. It really is. And, and for you, because I know we talked about too, is for you. And I was actually going to ask you, like, once the baby was here, how did you... Um, uh, handle your business. Like, cause I'm still, I'm still trying to struggle. I'm struggling figuring out how, how I'm going to transition 
once mm-hmm. the babies, you know, cause obviously the first couple of months they're small and cute and everything, but you know, can I just work? tell you, that is really funny because I mean, <laughs> not, when I, when I closed 2019, I had, which I shared with you, I was like in a Louboutin factor or factor that Louboutin uses for the fashion brands. I was like, Oh my God, 2020, 2019 was such a, I was traveling all over the place, Brazil twice, Miami twice, Spain twice. It was crazy. And then I move into 2020 and, you know, I'm newly in a relationship with somebody, had no idea that when I came over here, it was going to be like a forever or for a very long time. And um, I'm so glad I stayed because I, because uh, personally, because of my, you know, I'm just very business focused. And if, had I gone back to New York, I would have been in a full on panic because I wouldn't have been able to come back to Europe because I was right. thinking, when is everything going to open again? When I get my business? Because I just started with six years into my fashion brand. So right. it was like everything was going up in smoke. And I was talking to my friends in New York and around the world and everyone's, their lives are transitioning. And so I wasn't thinking about really having a baby with Oscar. Um, <laughs> and little did I know that Spain happens to be the fertility capital. It's one of the top places for right. fertility or IVF and all that stuff. And in speaking to my physician in New York and also meeting the doctor that I did, as you get older, IVF is actually the best bet because they can test everything in such a way. Because I said to the doctor flat out, I was like, listen, I know I'm a certain age. I just don't want to have a baby that has any issues. So whatever we can do, I want to, I want all the tests. Right. I don't care. I'll take right. as much blood, take as much blood as you need. I'll do whatever <laughs> yeah. I need to do. Yeah. I just don't want to have um, complications. Complications. Yeah. I don't want the, this child to have any issues. I want the child to have a really healthy, great opportunity at life. And um, so IVF was the best route. And um, in terms of business, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, you're suddenly you're pregnant and you're once you hit month six for me, that was when it was like, oh, because I'm feeling the baby move a lot more. Mm-hmm. You know, one day she's here, the next day she's here, the next day she's here, the next day I'm going to the doctor every month. You're starting to realize that, oh, this is getting this is really real. real. This <laughs> whole lives before, you know, we're we got to this point. And you know, I don't think it really hit me until I was on the operating table because I had um cesarean. Yeah. Even in the surgery, because you know, I had the epidural, he's talking to me, and I'm just talking back, <laughs> and you know, just we're just shooting the ish. And he pulls her out and I hear her first cry. And it was like going through a portal into another realm. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a baby. That's like a cute, that's a real baby. Like that's your baby. <laughs> that's my baby. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, I, I don't even know what I was thinking, Natalie, but I never really think, I don't know if it's a good thing or it's a bad thing, but I never really I'm known for pushing things aside and just moving towards whatever I'm moving towards. So I was like, okay, yeah. And you don't know how much your ba- your baby is going to need you because you just assume you could hand the baby to the dad. And, but the baby yeah. really needs the mom right. for a good year. Yeah. And that yeah. meant that the first year she was attached to me always or sitting on my lap or right. sitting in a, something next to me. And you're suddenly your whole life is handed over to this person that needs you. And it's, right. it's a trip because you're, you're in your forties and you, this is a totally new language. It's a totally new stage. Right. It's not like, yeah. 
I was gonna say it's not like a dog that you know they're just no. sleeping calmly like next no, to you. No. I have to say, what a blessing. She was such a good baby. She didn't really cry very much. We didn't have any issues with her. She's really healthy. I think for me, the other thing is that I've always been very fit. You know, I've done two year marathons. Mm -hmm. And in terms of, I thought it was going to be one of those like, you know, I gained 20 pounds. (laughs) I was, I was, I gained 60 pounds. So for yeah. a frame like mine to great gain 60 pounds when you've always been light and fit, yeah, that was a trip too, because I couldn't even really climb stairs. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to lose the baby. I'm going to lose the weight and it's going to come off like this. <laughs> it took me, it, it's taken me all of, I think a good two years. And now yeah. I feel like, like I'm the closest I've ever been to feeling like me, you know, physically, yeah. you know, and yeah. I'm not talking about now, I'm not talking about weight. I'm more talking about because your carry big, your back, my back was a little bit like a little wonky yeah. hips or so I'm feeling the hips right now too. Like I'm feeling I'm feeling it totally stretching the and hips, everything. The, everything and, and, and I'm very active like you, so it's kind of like oh, why do you get why am I like slowly I can't even get out of bed like super fast. I have to like Wait, you have to roll yourself up the bed because you're like, that's not real. And suddenly you're like, you have to roll yourself to go to the bathroom. But um, in terms of, I don't know how I did it now that I look back, you know, because we're both on Max and, you know, Matt gives you like, this is what you were doing last year. And this is the first year the baby move, the baby grows so fast. You've got to watch, take as many pictures, take it all in. But I don't know how I did it, Natalie. I don't know how <laughs> I did it. By the grace of God, I was I started a new business in a new industry at a time when people weren't really checking for anything because they really just wanted to just preserve the business that they had. Mm-hmm. It was intense. And I, I'm, you know, that was it. That's all I can so, say. So no help. No help right, either. Right. So did, but did you have a... So this is what I'm struggling with in terms of... Uh, like taking a period at a small period of time and not working at all? Or did you basically have the baby and you had to continue keeping your business alive? Yeah. Because that's, that's the position I'm in right now where I'm like, I don't, I mean, when you're independent, you don't have maternity leave. There's no maternity. To me, there's no maternity leave. What's that? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, so I'm, and I'm okay with it because I do have the freedom of, you know, having a business. And and so I'm, I'm willing to accept that and I'm totally fine. That's why I'm like, okay, so maybe there, maybe there's maybe like a week or two in between where you can take a little bit of a break, but then you have to go back in full, you know, you're going to have to go back in full full swing after that. Yeah. You're going to have to, I mean, that last two weeks or 10 days before the baby comes, you can't work anyway. You really, you're really <laughs> but the last thing you're thinking about is business. And then, and luckily your baby is coming when she is, which, you know, I don't know what to say, but that's a time when the world is even slowing down. But I know that you're also, your business, your clients are probably, this is their busiest time of year. But yeah. in addition to that, I think um, once the baby comes, the first, again, two weeks, there is no work because you've got to, your baby needs you. Like yeah. they eat yeah. all day. They, you don't want to leave them anywhere. They're so little, yeah. like she, so little. I mean, it's, you're just like, I can't oh wait. 
When they're little, they're so, I love it. Some people don't like the little, I love the little. They're just so They're cute. so cute. They're like little angels. Those yeah. little angels. So I, I, I remember my, my, my sister-in-law, when she had her son, he was six pounds. So he was tiny. Mm-hmm. So was mine. And tiny. I was like, oh my God, so cute. Uh, but definitely they're very fragile. Like you could tell like they're, you so know, fragile. you know, so it's like. The other thing that's really important, Natalie. Mm. I have a baby because I had a cesarean. You have to stay in the hospital. Yeah. And she was six, but getting smaller and smaller because like the other thing that you have to breastfeed, but she's six. So her mouth is like this big and you're trying to to amme everything in the baby's mouth. Oh my God. And you have to be the advocate for your baby in the hospital. Just because you're in the hospital does not mean that they are advocating for your child. And I know this because... They didn't want it. Um, my physician, he mm-hmm. came, he was like, I want you to have the, because Sarah, you can pick the day. So I picked the day that I did. And he was, he took a hotel in the area just to be close and be around for the next day. Oh, I love him that's too. Nice. Love him too. And so the next day he came in, he was monitoring everything, talking to the peep, the team at the hospital. And the next day he's like, what are you still doing there? You need to leave. The hospital <laughs> didn't want me to leave. Um, and they were like, because her, the baby's blood work isn't, I'm going to say this story because I hate this story because I was like, you're, you just have, you, after you give birth, it's, you feel like a, you've been hit by a freight truck. Like you just, yeah, you're, of course. It's, it's a lot, you know, it is. And, uh, they were doing some blood tests and I was watching the way they were taking the blood and she was so little and she was crying and they were pushing in one arm and pushing them. And at one point I was like, now hold up, you know, and. <laughs> They, I was, I went the way I went and get the doctor, <laughs> the head doctor here now. And I want this person here now. And she, the doctor walked in the room and she was terrified and they were doing the wrong thing. And oh. I only know this because I've had to deal with medical things in the past and, yeah. but I didn't realize that, gee, after you, you didn't, even, didn't cross my mind that even when you're in the hospital, you have, now you're the advocate for not only yourself, right. also for your baby. The baby. And, you need to make sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. And what is that you're giving her? What is yeah. this? What Question is that? everything. Why? Yeah. Yeah. And there's also that, you know, that not that it's not fear, but it's the protectiveness as a mother that you want to make sure that everything that they doing to your child is like, you know, it's like, well, it's funny because I had the anatomy scan a couple weeks ago and the technician, so the baby was like this. Of course. Right? And the technician wanted to see her brain, yeah. you know, and she's like going like this. And I'm like, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see in the little, in the monitor, you see the little baby shaking. And I'm like, hey, don't shake my baby. <laughs> like, what the hell are you doing? You know, like my, yeah. you know, it's, it, it, and it's, and it, cause you're thinking about it, they're so tiny still in your belly, like that you're poking them, you're, you're, you're getting them to obviously they wanted her to move. <laughs> I didn't like that. I was like, whoa, hold up. Hold up a sec. <laughs> my baby, the last scan that we had to do before the hospital, she wouldn't let us see her face. And I was like, oh. I wanted to see the face now. Like I wanted to see the baby. And she kept like she put her hand up like this yeah. and she like looked through one eye. Oh, she wouldn't let God. us see her face. It was so funny. That's funny. That's but so the doctor funny. gave me a pep talk right before she came and he's like, Okay, Layla, I want you to <laughs> I want to tell you something. And I'm like, What? And he's like, Listen. I'm not going to say that you're a control freak, but 
<laughs> I just want to prepare you. When the baby comes, you might be a little bit hyper aware and not want anybody around her and like all that stuff. And just figure out who you want around her and just yeah. stick to a plan because I just want to prepare you for, he was trying to say it as nice as possible, but I was like, oh, you mean control. So <laughs> he was wrong. He wasn't wrong. I was just, you don't want even, even you have to like seal the house. It's like a close, you know, because babies are right. susceptible to so much. So baby there's proof. a baby proof baby the house. Yeah. If they don't have to, if they're not like immediate, 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 super close, then like you can, you just have yeah. to like send a card. We'll see you in a couple months. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, wow, thank you so much for sharing. Oh, of course, like, it's always so... wonderful to 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 chat with you. I mean, you and know, we didn't we didn't for... talk about how uh, we're such longtime friends from like even high school, from right? High school, high school, and and you knew my brother since junior high, Southwood. So I can't even believe it. we were on the same like school bus. I remember because we were in the uh, Kendall area, so we yep. all took the same school bus. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But um, so we I'm trying to get back podcast too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so mm. and Denny, I'm gonna I'm working oh, on him. Oh yes, so, he's next. But, <laughs> you know, I just want to thank you so much, and I'm so happy for you, and I'm so proud of you that you like listened to yourself and you listened to your spirit and you held firm. And this is like I can the other the other side of all this pain and stuff. When the baby comes, there is nothing, <laughs> nothing better than this. I know. There is no trip better than this, no bag better than this, no anything that you've, this exceeds everything. I say to God all the time, I'm like, you know what, God, I thank you so much because she exceeds. I didn't even have, I didn't even know it was possible to have somebody like this. Yeah. I, didn't know, I didn't know they were like this. You just, you love in a different way that you just never thought even existed. It's right. It's, right. It's beautiful. It's, it's almost like unexplainable, right? It's this, it's like you have to experience it, uh, on your, on your own, on your you own. Know? And suddenly before they even say anything, you know, like that's wow. another thing we've talked about that another time. It's like, you like, yeah. you know, you're up and you're like, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. I knew she was Aww. doing this. I knew this. That's so, awesome. Congratulations, Natalie. Thank you so much. And also thank, thank you so, so much for, uh, always checking in. You're such, you're such a sweetheart, oh, making yeah. sure, making sure that everything's going smoothly yeah. and, uh, oh, um, I'm so excited for you. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing to be on the other side, have had already gone through this and all yeah, my friends are pregnant now. And I'm like, how's it going? What's I'm... going on? How's it going? <laughs> our next, our next podcast, we'll both have a glass of wine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That first, um, the first, whatever glass, whatever you're drinking is like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like forget the glass give me the bottle <laughs> you know hook it up but yeah. oh my goodness thank you nat well, i really appreciate it oh have a good one thank you so much thanks nat bye-bye Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? The All Things Alice podcast will explore the cultural phenomena of Alice in Wonderland. Frank Bedore, the author of the Looking Glass Wars trilogy, is your host through a wonderverse of interviews from all types of creators as they chronicle the dark yet empowering reality of Lewis Carroll's fantasies and answer the question, what is it about Alice that captivates us still today? 
the All Things Alice podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. You haven't even paid me from last time. I haven't watched Halo either. I'm going to summarize Halo Season 2 based on the Watching Now Halo podcast from Couch Soup. This is going to be fun. So Chief could be crazy. <laughs> Cortana's had a facelift. We're a bit mixed. Quan and Soren's story is really boring. Is is it over yet? Reach is f***ed. Reach for the stars. You all are gonna die. Spartans have a new leader called Ackerson. More like Dickerson. Apparently McKee is alive. She didn't die on screen, so she's probably not dead. Key's definitely not dying. Right, right, right. And the flood is coming. There's the water on this planet. What do I know? You should be listening to the Watching Now Halo podcast everywhere. Podcasts are available. Where's my money, Drew?